Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a episode that's actually number 50 and 51 uh, back 400 and some episodes ago on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. And with elk season coming up, I thought I would combine 50 and 51. And um, it's Craig Steele with Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters and I talking about field judging elk. And it's a very popular episode, I thought, with uh, elk season coming up here. Um, I would combine those two episodes together and let you guys uh, listen to this. Uh, For those new listeners, maybe you haven't gone back and listened to this, so I think you'll find some great value. I want to thank Craig Steele for coming on and doing this with me. Uh, Guys, as always, I really appreciate all of the support that I get from you, uh, whether it be emails uh, or direct messages on Instagram. You guys telling me how much you enjoy the podcast, how much value you get out of the podcast. And I love hearing from you guys, as well as any of the hunts that you've got coming up this fall. Please let me know how you do. I love to interact with you guys, the listeners. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to remind you guys that the Go Hunt Insider is doing a free 30-day trial. It's completely free. So all you got to do is go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and follow the prompts. And you can check out all of the western states. You can check out all of the draw, draw odds data, all of the harvest statistics, all of the strategy articles. It's free. Guys, what do you have to lose? It's a free trial. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and take advantage of that uh, free 30-day trial. I also like to thank uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, Jason Harrison and his crew. Uh, Jason is actually up in the Yukon right now uh, on his doll sheep hunt, and I can't wait to see how he does. Uh, I just got some more Kuyu stuff in the mail the other day for my doll sheep hunt that I've got coming up with Lance Kronberger in the Chugach of Alaska. And I'm going to be breaking down the gear differences that I'm taking between the Northwest Territories and the Chugach. So be on the lookout for that. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting uh, for their sponsorship. Make sure to go to Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U dot com, and uh, check out all of their great gear. Uh, also, Canyon Coolers, guys, uh, use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount there uh, at CanyonCoolers.com. I uh, want to thank them for their sponsorship. And uh, they have an unbelievable warranty there at Canyon Coolers. If you break the cooler or you uh, injure the cooler or you harm the cooler in any way, doesn't matter if it's your fault, doesn't matter if it falls off the, the truck, doesn't matter if you're the original owner. All you got to do is take a picture of it, send it to them. They will either repair it or they will replace it. That is an unbelievable warranty. No other cooler company out there uh, is doing that. Uh, I, I also want to thank the Outdoorsman's uh, 1-800-291-8065. If you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Outdoorsman's products. Guys, let's get right to this episode. Thanks for your support. Um, come find me on Instagram at J. Scott Outdoors if you don't already follow and uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. We're going to talk about field judging elk today in this episode, and we're probably not going to be able to cover all of the intricate details of field judging elk, but um, if you do go to jscottoutdoors.com, you go to my website, um, on the right-hand side, if you scroll down, uh, you can actually go down to where it says uh, labels, and if you go down to the Fs 
for field judging elk, there's actually 35 posts that I've done on field judging elk, and there's a lot of videos, um, there's a lot of pictures, there's a lot of diagrams, and pretty intricate, detailed uh, information on field judging elk. And it's that, that's a holdup. If you guys listening, if you guys haven't been to Jay's blog, and and he's being you know very gracious in how he says that, it's the best information that's out there um, as far as field judging. And, and I'm not going to pull any punches here. Uh, you know um, what I know of Jay, and, and one of the things that everybody talks about that's around me is Jay's field judging with regards to desert bighorn sheep and, and elk hunting. He provides huge value. Um, to, to anybody that, that wants to get better. That's, that's one of the things that have always drawn me to you as a person is, is, I mean, you got images, you got videos, you got articles that you wrote for Elk Hunter and Western Hunter included in here, but it's, it's the total deal. Um, and, and it really, really, if you're wanting to get better at field judging and you want to, you need to look at pictures, you need to look at video, you need to, you know, outside of actually doing it and having the experiences uh, of doing it over and over again, um, this is the best thing to, to learn for that, that guy that doesn't, you know, get an archery elk tag every year and doesn't get time to spend in the woods every year. Um, it, it helps. And I know there's a lot of guys out there, they won't admit it, but there's a lot of guys out there that uh, look at this stuff and, and they Jay gives them value as well, so... Well, I appreciate that. One of the things, you know, over the years, I, I have received a few negative criticisms of someone that only is about score and only is about the numbers. And my response to a lot of that is, well, you really don't know me. Uh, what you see on my blog as detailed and you know, as thorough as I try and be, I'm I'm that same way when I've got my own tag or if I'm guiding. But this field judging and scoring stuff basically stemmed from me wanting to learn. And most importantly, in all of my hunting and, and guiding, I want to be accurate. And I'm not a fan of fish stories. I While I like hearing fish stories... I don't like hearing, you know, this fish was, you know, this big and some guy's arms are as wide as, you know, 45-inch trout. I, I'm one that likes to say, no, it was really 16. It goes the same way into my hunting with the coos deer and the mule deer and the sheep and, and the elk and such where, you know, I want to know what that animal scores so that when I'm trying to evaluate for my own tag or for someone that I'm guiding, I can be as close and as accurate as I can. So am I a numbers guy? Yes. Do I feel that numbers and scoring is, is that why I hunt? Absolutely not. But I don't, I'm of the opinion that I want to be as accurate as possible. I don't want to make mistakes. And do I make mistakes? Every day. Do I misjudge animals? All the time. But by, I have learned a lot by providing a lot of these resources and diving into the numbers. When Dara and I are looking at an animal, we go back and forth and bounce back and forth with each other. Um, Dara, my guiding partner, and 
you know, sometimes he's right, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes we're both wrong. But I feel like as analytical as you can get, it just makes you better. Absolutely, it does. And it, it, yeah, I, it, anybody that, uh, uh, you know my thoughts on trophy hunting and admitting that I'm a trophy hunter and that that this stuff absolutely makes you better. And, and you know, anybody that puts in for an antlered, Antlered species or a horned species, um, I, I, I think you're a trophy hunter. Um, I don't care how you cut it, how you say it. I'm not talking about the trophy hunter that just cuts the head off and leaves all the meat. I'm talking about you desire antlers. You desire horns. To what degree, we can all have arguments on that. But and big ones. And big ones. <laughs> if you have, I always use the analogy, if there's a 30-inch buck, mule deer and a two-point standing next to each other and you elect to shoot the 30-inch buck, you cannot argue that you're not a trophy hunter. To what degree, we can argue all day long. But regardless of that, we're talking about field judging elk and, and uh, you know, getting better and uh, trying to be as accurately uh, accurate as we can. I think one of the things that, you know, that I've really learned from you is, is in the guiding world is 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 making sure you're credible, um, and it's it's one thing. It's it, it's disappointing when it's your own hunt um, if you misjudge an animal, um, not because that's the only thing you hunt for, but just because again you want to be accurate. You it's it's another well, and you're setting a benchmark. It's another that, yes, you know. it's another aspect of the score. It's another thing when you do it for a paying client, somebody that's you know doesn't maybe have the knowledge or the time. And and they say, hey, you know, I'd like to kill a 350, or I'd like to kill a 380, or I'd like to kill a 300. Um, you you want to do right by them. You want you want to make sure you want to feel good that you're doing your job. You know, it's no different than a contractor do, building a house or whatever else. You just want to make sure you do do your job. And one of the things that I found that it seems like you know, and, and we getting a little off topic, but with 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 judging and and. A lot of people uh, that that just go, clients or even just hunters out there that talk about 400 inch, 370, 380, 350, they really don't realize, and we're going to get into that about there's only small differences that they really uh, add up to those different type of bulls um, within you know measuring a, a bull. There there really only is small differences. And that, you know, I've always been like, oh, why, you know, I don't really have to get my animals scored or whatnot. But it is, after I've seen the way stuff is marketed in the guiding world, um, and just the everyday Joe Blow saying this is a 400-inch, I think our numbers are really inflated high. And that, well, and we want to yeah. be accurate, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. To me, credibility is is absolutely paramount. It's number one. I I, I don't ever want to be known as someone that is not credible, and that has made me dive into field judging and trying to be accurate. Yes. And since we're on that topic, I, I'm going to throw this out there that you know the fish stories and the inflated numbers and the unofficial, non-official, official scores, Yeah, it's got to stop. I mean, uh, from, from across all aspects of hunting, in my opinion, there's nothing that makes me more sick 
than looking at a 180-inch deer and having someone write 199 and two eights when you know that it's not even close. So, you know, am yeah. I calling out the guiding world and industry? Maybe. But the reality is we're all hunters. But let's just be accurate, guys. If 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 you get an animal officially scored then be happy with the official score, even if it's not as high as the score that you thought it was. Don't go searching out other official scores and, you know, have it scored six or seven times until you get the score you like. The, these systems are put in place, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young and SEI scores, although I think some, there's a big variance in some of them, if you take your animals to a someone and they so, uh, one person always scores your animals, why would you take an animal to someone else just to get a higher score? We're kind of gotten off topic, but the point is credibility and just whatever it is, call it what it is. And that's what led you remember, me to... Do you remember when a 350 bull was cool? Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's still big, you know, but... Yeah, but I, I just, you know, if it's 352, it's 352. Don't call it 360. Yeah. If it's 110-inch coos, don't call it 116. Just call it what it is. Yeah. Because we all, as hunters, use these scoring systems, and we see a picture on Facebook or on Instagram, and it says 199, or it says, you know, 404. Well, it would be nice if people were accurate. Then it would be it would be educational to go oh that one's four oh four and that one's three sixty but when there are, some of these photos are off by twenty inches or thirty inches you know you're really misleading and 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 that's what the, you and, can't you can't for you know taking this into the field judging topic you can't you can't accurately get better off. Off of field judging or or uh, trying to educate yourself off dead photos because there's too many different lenses, there's too many different angles and body sizes, and so if you're trying to, you know, what you're saying is when somebody puts a photo up there, you know, that says it's a 210 inch buck and it's really, you know, a 185 inch buck, um, you you can't. That's my dog. I was gonna say it sounded like a a cat fight <laughs> yeah, or a she's, dog fight she's, in your. She's wanting she's wanting to play this morning, man. She's all I'm the only one here, and she's wanting to play with me. She's only eight months old, but anyway, you can't if you're listening. You can't don't even look at those images to try to get better at field judging. And I would take you know unless there's official score sheet myself, um, I would take every score with a grain of salt um, because you don't. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, guides have learned that, you know, to market scores and, and inflate numbers. And, you know, and, 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 you know, that's why a lot of times with Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters, you know, with our marketing stuff, we don't even put scores. Um, if we do get an official score, we'll blog about it, maybe post it up. Um, we just, we, you know, if somebody asks, then we'll say, um, you know, but we just let the animal speak for itself. Um, and, and go from there. But, you know, uh, let's try to get back on field judging because you and I all ramble about this all day. Yeah. <laughs> so is, does Cujo need a bone or what? Oh, she is. 
Yeah, one, one second. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> She's using my... Let me feed her. <laughs> okay, Craig, so getting into field judging elk, uh, we've already talked about they can go on... Uh, listeners can go on jscottoutdoors.com. Go down to the lower right, uh, click on Field Judging Elk. All 35 posts will come up, um, and there's a lot of details there. I want to talk about a few things, and one of them is first impressions. To me, uh, when either if I'm up on a hill glassing through my binoculars or spotting scope or in the field calling a bull, and a bull comes in or I first see a bull, first impressions to me mean a lot. And one of the things that I like to do is I try and take the emotion out of it. Um, you know, if it's my tag and, you know, I'm excited, uh, it, it's hard for me, but I try and take the emotion out of it. And what I try and do is immediately look for weaknesses. So I've trained myself when I glass up a bull, I immediately, I'm trying to size up what are his weaknesses. I'm looking at his body size. I'm trying to age him and maybe not specifically, you know, he's a five-year-old or he's a six-year-old, but I'm trying to say, is his body mature? Is he, you know, is he a young bull or is he an old bull? Because a lot of times the young bulls can look big at first impressions and then you realize that maybe they're you know 150 200 pounds smaller than a big old mature bull so I'm looking and very first things are I'm trying to say what is this bull and then I start looking okay is he a six point and you know most of the time I look for the fourth point and then look where the main beam usually on most elk kind of gives that curve and creates that whale tail so you've got your fourth and your fifth. And for me, I, I like big backs. I, I just, I like big backs on bulls. And isn't there a song? There is a song. Like big backs. It's not big backs. <laughs> I like big butts. Um, it's a mix a lot. But, but that's what I, you know, my first impression is, okay, and then I start trying to categorize the bull. Is this a 300 bull? Is this 330 bull? Is this a 350 bull? You know, um, I don't know what you do, but that's what I do. When I first see an elk, I try and categorize it, get kind of an idea of age class of what I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I try to – it all depends on time. You know, if, I'm, if, I'm, if we're talking about scouting um, and getting up and glassing or, or seeing a bull, um, I, I – Obviously, if it's quick and whatnot, it's going to be all air judging. Um, it's going to be, you know, 300, 350, 370 to 380, you know, 400. Very rarely do I throw that ever out there. Um, but it, it really, for me, it depends on time. What, you know, first off, what, what, how I'm going to go about breaking down a bull. Um, and, and, you know, if I'm setting up classing for, for bulls, um, and, and I see something that just sticks out whether I'm, you know, combing and then I, you know, I, you know, catch a bull and he, he's got some characteristics or, or his frame. I look at his frame, I guess, width and length 
of the main beams first. And then, you know, I, I'm attracted to mass. Big back ends always draw my eyes. Um, and, you know, it depends on time. If you see something that looks really big that I need to stare at for a little while longer with the glass, then, then I do. Um, if, if he's something that I, I really can't tell or whatnot, or if it's early in the, you know, glassing period, um, I might just note him, you know, try to see, you know, if, if tree-wise, if is he going to get in the trees on me before I can get a look or, or get video or pictures of him, and then go on and, and continue glassing because I want to, you know, for lack of a better term, savor the moment and, and glass as many bulls as I can that morning from that point or looking up or what, however I may be doing it while they're and, and out in the open. Which, yeah, and what you mean by that is you're, you're classifying and categorizing bulls, trying to do it as quickly as possible because in the mornings and in the evenings, a lot of times you only have a short period of time before they get out of the opens into the trees where you can't analyze them and look at them enough. I think what we've been talking about here, first impressions and what have you, is kind of the air judging yes. method of scoring. And honestly, uh, I think a lot of people use air judging and, 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 you know, they'll see a bull for 10 seconds and they'll say, that was a 350 bull. Yep. Well, what they're doing is they're air judging and they're kind of throwing it into a class or category. I think one, and I do that all the time, you do that all the time, but I think the other methods of scoring become more precise. Yes. And But I think it's important to become fairly accurate at air judging and being able to quickly categorize. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this morning before we were on the air, um, you, you know, one of your favorite things uh, to categorize is digiscoping. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, the first digiscoping that I did was holding my little point-and-shoot camera up to my binoculars that were on my tripod or up to my spotting scope, just trying to capture an image of that animal. And what, how that has evolved over some time and some years is now we have incredible digiscoping adapters you know, the Outdoorsman's makes a real easy one for your iPhone um, uh, with, with great adapters for either binoculars or spotting scopes. Um, and then, you know, I use the Swarovski Optic uh, TLS APO adapter, and it's actually allowed us um, as hunters to get professional quality images. Maybe not images you would sell, yeah, but certainly be able to uh, elevate our field judging, um, I mean, when Dara and I started really capturing digiscoping images, our, our scoring and field judging uh, went up, you know, significantly because of this. We could bring the photo or the video back and each of us analyze it and look at it. And maybe what my first impression was, Dar's first impression would be something totally different or Jay, you're a little off, or I think you're high, or you're low. Yeah. And so I think it's important for people to get good at air judging. I think it's important for people to categorize bulls, but I think it's also important that um, to come back with a image, a video image, a, a, a photo image, where they can email it to friends of theirs, or even if 
They just want to look at it themselves. They can go, well, I didn't realize he didn't even have third points or they're only three inches long. When a bull's got, you know, big back end, your air judges is like, oh, that's a 350 bull. And then when you look at the image later, when you take the emotion out of it, you go, oh, I didn't realize he's got short stubby fronts that, you know, point straight out. Yeah, if, you know, going, you know, obviously air judging is what, you know, we all use. And getting accurate at that is is critical to, to it's more of a time saver. You know, you have to do it quickly and, and you want to be accurate. Going to the digiscoping stuff, I, I think there's a lot of people out there they they don't get it. Like they don't get that that to me, field judging uh any any species, um, that if I don't have pictures or video, I do not feel comfortable. I don't. Um, and I do not feel comfortable with everything that I see because sometimes I get amped up or a lot of times I'm just going to, you know, when I glass something up, I'm like, oh, oh that's a uh, big son of a gun, you know, and, and I talk myself down. Same thing you're talking about. You talk yourself down. You start looking at them. Seeing them in the field is, is number one, but the actual, in my mind, the new number one is seeing them in the field having video and images to where you can come back out of that environment and you have Google, you have J. Scott Outdoors, you have Oricon, you have, you know, all these different, you, you have all these different images and videos that you can go over, not to mention all your stuff that you have. You have buddies. Um, be careful who you send it to. Um, <laughs> um, but, but you can really analyze it. And, and you know, you and I have gone through this where, you know, you either didn't think an animal was that big or I didn't think an animal impressed us. The one that actually looks at the animal in the field and looks at the video is the one and has the most experience is the one that I'm going to lean towards that opinion. Um, their opinion holding, holding the most weight because uh, you know, sometimes angles and cameras, and depending on how close you are, how how uh, how much vignettings in in the image, um, you know, distance, time of day can really change things. Not as not you know, not as much. Well, and elk, not all, but but definitely with other species, it does. You know. Yeah, and not only that. I mean, um, and, you know, body placement is the animal. You know, walking away from you is he walking towards you? Yes. You know. One of the things that Dara and I like to, you know, ever since we started digiscoping, even when it was just holding the camera and getting, you know, moving, you know, not very good video, but we would always try and get a image. And, and we, you know, we'd talk to each other, did you get it on video? Did yep. you get a picture? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. I mean, just getting some image so you could re-verify what your error judge, what your initial first impression was. Uh, is so important and I think that's you know really really helped me become a better field judger and I think another thing that's helped me is I love to score animals or excuse me score antlers that I find or I'm constantly I always have I don't always during hunting season when I'm in elk camp or whatever I usually always have a tape in my pocket Critics would say, oh, you're all about score. No, I'm all about becoming accurate. Yep. And I like to put a tape on. If I come across an antler, I tape it. Yep. Why? Because I'm training myself 
to know what a 16-inch brow tine looks like, to know what a 20-inch fourth point looks like, to know what a 52-inch main beam is. And the more antlers that you can put your hands on and score, the better you will become at field judging. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's a huge part of my success of being accurate and getting better each day at being accurate is, is measuring antlers. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that call out numbers all the time that have, they don't even know if a 13 inch G1 is good or if a 23 inch G1 is good, you know, and, and they just air judge, um, and call it out there. I think most of the people that are probably listening, you know, have some sort of sense of what is, what is a good uh, G1 or what is a good G2? What does that area typically hold? I think that's that's what you're getting at is, and I'm I'm the same way with, you know, I love the tape things. Um, I know Boone and Crockett has, um, I know they do for antelope. I think they do for elk. They have, you know, the average in a in a breakdown. They have the average of a, of a of a Boone and Crockett entry level animal, um, what the average time length is. Or, or mass measurements is, and, and yeah, then speaking, that's a good basis to start from, you know. And speaking of that, Craig, um, I had done an article for Elk Hunter magazine, and I, I broke down some average measurements. Um, so they're examples based on a standard six by six frame, and you can find this chart on my website. Um, on Let's see, uh, July 11th, 2012, uh, there is a chart. And for, for those of you out there listening, this is based on an average 6x6 frame. A 300 to 310 bull, average inside spread. Now, this is just a rough kind of chart, 35 inches. Main beam length per side, 45 inches. Mass per side, 25 inches. Point length per point, 13 Point length per side, 65, gives you a total of a 305 bull. A 320 to 330 bull, inside spread is 37 inches. Main beam length per side is 47. Mass per side is 27. Point length per point, 14 inches. Point length per side is 70 inches. Total, 325 bull. Now, one thing that I need to point out is these are just averages. This is just a chart that you could take with you. And if you're looking at a bull and you're, you've scored some elk antlers and you say, oh, he's got like, you know, 14 inch points, you can look down at your chart and say per point length, 14 inch, he's probably in the 325 range. Well, if he has extra short main beams or extra long main beams or he's heavy or he's, 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 he's thin, maybe it's, you know, one way or another, but this is a good chart to use. And I think by pointing out this chart, one thing I need to mention in my mind, the most important thing when, when finding a high scoring bull is time length. Mm -hmm. Time length makes up about 45% of your score. Main beam makes up about 28% of your score, mass 16, and spread is 11. So, when I'm field judging an elk and I'm looking for big elk, the, 
the first thing that I'm looking for is long points because very rarely can you have a high-scoring bull that doesn't have long points. There are a few exceptions to the rule, but long points and long main beams usually equal a big bull. Mm -hmm. People talk about a spread of a mule deer or a spread, you know, spread of an elk. Spread on an elk is not a big percentage of your score. Now, that can be deceiving because you can look at a bull and think he's a 350 bull. And, you know, usually a, a, a 350 bull, you know, if you're looking at, at average, you know, spread, you're about 38 inches. But let's say he's a 50-inch bull. That's 12 inches, so you're now looking at a 362 bull. So with 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 point length, main beam, uh, mass, and spread, the one thing I will say is you've got to watch those real wide bulls because, you know, they will have your average point length that, that you know, for a 350-type bull, but you've got to watch those those wide, wide, wide bulls because they can actually – jump you into a whole nother category before you even know it yeah my wife loves wide bulls i'm sitting here looking at this bull that dars hunter killed um with speaking of long times um i think he went 401 um gross it, that's the typical bull uh six by six uh tim allen's bull yes, i would yes say. tim allen's bull I'm looking at that bull, and I'm just going to go out and call out air judging right now. I'm looking at that bull, and when I look at this bull, I do not see 401 air judging. I do not see 401 air judging. I don't know how, how you and, – and a lot of guys, I think, too, I know for me, I like bulls that turn down on their main beams. And those type of bulls, you know, for me personally, you know, it just depends, you know, if I see a bull like that, if he's 380 and there's a bull that's 400 inches, um, it depends on what I want to shoot. What a, but a bull that his beam is turned down really hard in the back, it's going to be really hard for me personally to pass. You know, so looking at Tim Allen's bull, um, I look at it just... And, and by the way, by the way, that's on the June 11th or July 11th, 2012 post. Uh, for those of you that are listening that want to also log on and check out what Craig's talking about, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, and, and, and you just look at this bull, and his, his left side turns up, and his right side just is kind of lazy. Um, uh, I call those kind of lazy beams. They they don't they don't really do a whole lot. His right side turns down a little bit, but then you know I'm sure you get to looking at this bull's his his fronts. Um, his G1s and G2s, um, his bez and brows, some people call them. Um, you, you start adding up the inches. He's not overly wide. He's got a lot of curve to his top end that makes his top end, in my opinion, doesn't it doesn't really show how big his top end actually is because it kind of curves in. So the angle, you know, versus a bull that his his back end his points comes straight off his horn. They look bigger. His curvature and how it lays in to me makes him look deceiving. And it's just, it, and I was reading this and thinking about this bull and seeing this bull. And when I first air judged him, I was thinking, oh man, that's a 370 bull, you know. And I, it just goes to show you, you know, I was off by, by 30, 
30 inches, you know. Yeah, and and I think even Dar would say, um, you know, he knew it was a big bowl, but one of the things that blew them away was the body size. You yeah. know, Dar, Dar said it had a giant body, and I think um, when you're making your first impression, you know, body size, if, if he's standing in a field with, you know, five or six other bulls, and he's a he's a Goliath. He's a giant, you know, giant bull. Um, then you have to realize that his antlers are actually going to look smaller on his head uh, than if that was over on the you know five year old bull. That's a young bodied, sleek, you know, sleek kind of neck, sleek down, you know, uh, bull kind of starting to get into his into his you know starting into his prime. The, the, this set of antlers is going to look gigantic on you know a smaller body um i think speaking specifically about tim allen's bull i i I was not there um i was over in unit 23 dar was in unit 10 um you know the main beams on this bull are dang near 60 inches yeah and that that brings up the point of point length is number one if you if you take all the big bulls typically um, long points is number one, main beams is number two, and but if you have extra long main beams, that can throw you off a little bit, or extra short main beams. Um, big time, uh, big time. You know, I, I remember Michael Parks' bull that same year in 2009, you know, scored 435, and uh, off of memory, you know, his, his beams... I want to say we're only 53 inches, 52, 53 inches, but he had tons of point length. Or even like uh, Mike Gallo's um, giant uh, bull that uh, uh, Jay and Chad and uh, uh, those the A3 guys, um, they're you know probably 475 inch bull. I want to say his beams weren't even 50 inches, but he had points galore. Mm-hmm. So long points. And while we're talking about that, extra points. Um, points in my in my book when field judging are everything. Uh, point link is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high. Uh, if if you have an abnormal point, an extra point, you're just adding inches in your point point length category. So. If you're looking at a 6x6 six six bull or a 7x7 seven seven bull or an 8x8, eight eight, every time you get more than the standard 6-point frame, you know, a 7x7, seven seven, even if his uh, uh, G6s are only, you know, 8 inches long and they look short on the frame, that's 16 inches of extra that you get to throw in your point length category. And so, you know... Speaking in general, extra points mean a lot. Yeah. I I typically, and I, you can answer this question, but when I feel judge, um, I mean, unless you just have a ton of time, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to net a bull out, but most of the time, especially if it's in the field, you know, let's say on a hunt, my dog just opened my door. Um, when, it's on, when it's on an actual hunt, let's say a hunt scenario, you know, I'm going to, I'm not factoring in the net score. I'm adding up what I can add up and trying to get the gross score um, because you start factoring in, you know, two inches here, three inches there. And so with extra times, you know, 
I like, you know, personally, I don't, I don't care. Anytime a bull breaks, you know, 380 is a giant, but it breaks 400 with extra points, then that's all fine and dandy. It just depends, you know, a lot of times with what the hunter wants as well. But most of the time, you don't have the time to actually net a bull up would you, in a hunting scenario. Would you say that? True. I agree. I mean, when you're netting a bull up, that's when you're using your digiscoping photos and images and video to help you break down and, 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 and estimate the actual measurements of each point. And, um, I think we're going to cover, uh, you know, estimating the actual measurements. And then I have a magic number estimating the shortest points, uh, uh, tactics, uh, methods that I use to field judge. We're going to cover those in the next, uh, field judging episode. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's important to get a good solid gross score, not worry about the net so much mm-hmm. until you go back and review and analyze, uh, your digiscoping photos. Um, Craig, I think I think one thing I want to point out, too, is that, you know, Craig and I live in Arizona, and we're fortunate to be around a lot of big bulls. But I want the listeners out there that are trying to learn how to field judge, and maybe the, their area doesn't have big bulls. They're in a state that, you know, the biggest bull may be 330 inches or 300 inches. You can still learn how to field judge what you need to do is study and analyze bulls that are killed in your area and know specifically what the average point length, the average mass, the average spread, because across the country, you know, body sizes differ. Um, you know, sometimes in a unit, a six point is a trophy and, and there's, you know, a lot of four and five points and young bulls, but they just don't get to be six points. So, I, I want to make sure in this series of, of podcasts where we're talking about field judging elk, I don't want you guys to think we're just talking about, you know, giant bulls over, you know, 350 inches. I kind of want to cover it all. Um, but some of these same characteristics and, and things that I'm talking about um, work on a 300 bull or a 400 bull. Yeah, it's just scale. It's just slide the scale down. You know, there's, there's uh, no... Uh like you were just saying, you know, we're we're blessed to live in Arizona, and you know, I mean, then you go to the Indian reservations, and you know, that's that's like a wildlife park. I mean, just giant bulls, and and there, and, and just on the public side, we're blessed. And not not all units in Arizona are the same either. You know, some units in Arizona, three fifty is a tank. You know, um, and, and I know in some states that, you know. Over the counter hunt, it, it, like you said, Jay, it might be a six point is just a hell of a bull, um, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And, and inches doesn't measure your your skill level as a hunter, but you know we're just really really blessed to be able to hunt some of the biggest animals or elk um, in the world, um, yeah, or or guide for them, and um, so that's why we you know talk about this stuff, you know. Well, and I think it's, you know, I think everybody that hunts classifies and categorizes their their animals that they're hunting. You know, uh, guys that are hunting in states where the, maybe the bulls are smaller, you know, maybe a 350 bull is just the benchmark bull that, you know, there's only, you know, a couple a year get shot over 350. They're still 
whether they're categorizing bulls as a you know 260 and you know a pope and young minimum type bull uh, uh, a 280 or a 300 um, it's I think it's important wherever you hunt uh, if if trying to be accurate and telling you know your, your friends and your buddies and reliving your experiences you know being accurate with your field judging is 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 important um, so I think we've covered enough today on this episode. Um, I think we're going to dive in into these uh, future episodes. We'll dive into how to estimate the actual measurements uh, per each point um, and, and talking about point length, talking about main beams, talking about inside spread or mass and inside spread. And we'll go in specifically and then we will also talk about, um, I have kind of a magic number formula that I use where I automatically plug in a spread, I automatically plug in main beams, and then all I do is add up points, and we'll dive into that uh, in the next episode. Um, Craig, I want to thank you for being on this morning and uh, being with us, and um, look forward to um, diving in to the next episode and getting into the details of, of estimating actual measurements. Good. Are you uh, ready to get into the numbers today of uh, field judging elk? Let's go for it, man. Okay. Um, in a previous episode, we had talked about air judging and categorizing bulls, uh, digiscoping uh, for better references, and, and being able to break down bulls. Um, today we're going to talk about several methods of scoring that I use um, and that I've used over the years and uh, each year try and perfect even more, um, but they've become uh, good uh, tools for me to, to lean on and like we talked about in the prior episode, uh, if you go to jscottoutdoors.com, you go to the right-hand column kind of down scroll down a ways, uh, you will see uh, field judging elk. And if you click on that, there's like 35 posts that I've done on field judging. And in those posts, there's a lot of uh, video and pictures of bulls where you can actually uh, see uh, the bull running around bugling, and then you'll get my estimated actual measurements um, and then on some, you'll get the estimated shortest points. Um, I think, you know, if, for people out there, I think the magic number or the estimated shortest points method works pretty darn good and pretty darn fast. Um, the one thing I will caution you is when you're just, and in that method, you're basically... Um, adding up one side of the points and doubling them. The only thing I would tell you is if, if you misjudge that by doubling, you're compounding your room for error. So the, in my mind, the most accurate uh, method of field judging is estimating actual measurements. So when we're talking about measurements um, to rehearse, you actually remember that there's there's four categories of score in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. That's time length, main beam, mass, and spread. Like we talked about in the prior episode, uh, 
field judging elk and scoring elk, the most important aspect of a bull's score, percentage-wise, is time length. Second is main beam, third mass, and fourth is spread. So if someone tells you, oh man, that bull was wide, well, that's only part of the story. But if someone comes back and tells you, man, the points on that bull were unbelievable and he had incredible main beams, then that is definitely a bull that you want to go check out. Um, let's dive right into estimating actual measurements, Craig. Uh, in, in a just a general topic, how do you become better at knowing what each point scores? I know how I do, and that's actually measuring antler, lots of antler, you know, whether they be sheds or, you know, other people's bulls, trying to know what, you know, 15 inches is, what is 16 inches, you know, what is 20 inches. Is that the same for you? Yeah, it's the, actually seeing them, you know, whether it be a shed, whether it be a set of antlers ta from the taxidermist or, or that I have, um, those, those are critical, whether uh, another thing is, you know, like, um, the, the, the averages of, of, of time length on whether it be your side or Boone and Crockett Club, getting a feel for what actually is. And then, you know, um, the other thing is you can never beat uh, real life experience. Um, yeah. Um, it, even if it's, um, you know, I, I encourage, and a lot of people, this is going to sound weird, but. I, I encourage you, if, if you watch a bull fall that you maybe have seen, um, to to go and touch it, congratulate the other hunter that took it, and just to get that experience. Um, because with the way draws are and everything, I think a lot of guys, to be accurate with their field judging, to, to be really accurate, you have to do it a lot. Um, and, and you have to see that animal live, and you have to see that animal dead to actually get a sense of, okay, I thought he was 15 inches on his G3s, and he's actually 10 inches, you know. So so those, those you know, touching horns helps, um, looking at horns helps, looking at videos help, but actually the real-life experience helps the most. And so any way you can get it, and I know that's kind of a, a weird way of, of doing it, but... Um, you know, I know I'm, not, I'm like you, you know, we celebrate, you know, it sucks when somebody kills something and your hunter's not able to get it or you're not able to kill it or your family member or friend's not able to kill it. But, uh, you know, we're all up there hunters. And if you go up and actually, you know, offer to give somebody a hand just so you get that, you humble yourselves and just so you get that experience of actually touching that bull and seeing what he actually is, then do it. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, a absolutely. Um, so there's nothing like hands-on experience. There, uh, there, absolutely, there's no, there's nothing that replaces it. Um, that's one thing that I've known. Uh, I, I I've noticed since since you know I've started guiding um, is, is my uh, field judging skill level um, goes up uh, because I'm well. You're forced to. You're, you're, for, forced, you're to. forced to, and and also you're able to. You know, with our outfitting deal, you you know. We're we're a we're a medium sized outfitting outfitter in Arizona. I would consider us, um, and so we have you know four or five guys that may that do hunts for us, um, 
and you know if if two or three are successful, maybe my guy wasn't successful. Um, I'm still able to put my hands on animals that I probably saw, and and that elevates. Um, you know, it's just like with you and Dar, you know, you're able to go put your hands on something that you actually saw. And the second best thing is having images or video and then putting your hands on that animal, you yeah. know. Well, and, and I think, too, Craig, at, at to a certain point, you have to kind of put yourself out there with your hunting partners or what have you and say, I think this bull scores this and this is why I think so. Yes. If you don't ever kind of take a stand and force yourself to put a number on it and say, this is the number that I accurately, you know, I'm putting my credibility saying this is what this animal scores, you never get better. What has made me better as, as, as well as guiding and, you know, it's one thing for me to be inaccurate on a score of something that I shoot my own, but if someone hires me, I want to be as credible and as accurate as I possibly can. And so it has forced me to, to stand a line and say, I think that bull scores 320, yep. or I think that bull scores 380, and have the skill and backup to be able to say, this is why. Exactly. Now, am I, am I right every time? Heck no. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say one of my biggest faults is I'm, I'm notoriously low. I'll give you an example. Last year, uh, I actually uh, was fortunate to accompany uh, Jason Harrison of Kuyu to just go along with them and take pictures and, and, and go with him on a hunt in Montana just for fun and shoot some video and, you know, just hang out. And we looked in, at a lot of bulls, and Jason, we had an incredible hunt. And, um, y you know... That's the Montana couple, hunt, right? Yeah, Montana hunt. There's a couple lessons here, one of which is I just came from Arizona, didn't really ask a lot of questions about Montana, jumped right into bulls bugling and, you know, chaos and just an awesome hunt. I didn't know that a lot of the Montana bulls, their bodies are big, and so bulls that I was looking at that, you know, Jason's like, what do you think that one scored? And I'm like, ah, oh, 340. Realistically, it was probably a 355 bull. A bunch of those bulls were just big, you know, kind of mammoth monarch looking bodies. And I didn't realize it. And so one thing you need to know is wherever you're hunting, you kind of need to get a feel for body size of bulls. Are they bigger in this state or smaller in this state? So that's one thing. The other thing is... Uh, Jason shot the bull and it, it was, we, we might have saw one other bull that was bigger at a long distance, but this was, this was one of the biggest bulls we saw and he shot it and we, you know, had it on the ground and we were taking pictures and we were field dressing and, and skinning and the whole thing. And he's like, what do you think it'd score? So here, Craig, I have the bull on the ground. I don't have a tape on my pocket or anything like that, but I, 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 I can actually touch the antlers, and I looked at it, and I added around, and I calculated, and I did this, that, and the other, and I said, uh, you know, I'll bet she's, you know, solid 350, okay? Mm -hmm. So here the antler is in my hand. Yeah. The body is, the elk is laying there, and his bull ended up scoring 371 inches. Well... Two things are at play. I have a tendency to always want to be under and never be over. That That is just as much of a fault as being overscoring. 
I, I've done it on sheep. I've done it on, you know, coos deer. I've done it on things where I'm under. Granted, I have been over as well, but the, the, the couple of times that I have been overjudged and thought an animal was bigger, it has, you know, quote unquote, scared me enough to want to be credible and want to be accurate. And, um, you know, I, I tend to be under, even when they're on the ground, because I never like to have something be uh, smaller than it actually is. I'd rather it be 20 inches bigger, like in this case, or 15 inches bigger when when Jason, we actually, Jason didn't score, but um, uh, Jack and, and Cody and I scored it, and Jason was right there watching and taking part of the whole thing and, and watching us, and it scored 371. So I would rather say 355 and it be 370, but I think as as a, a fault of my own, I can't be too far under because there may be a an opportunity to harvest an animal that the client really wants, and I tell them that it's you know 370. In reality, it's 390. So my quest is always to try and be as accurate as possible, hedging a little bit on the low side. Yeah, I, I think that in general that that's how I am. All right. I want to believe I am. I know for yeah. me that, anyway, going back to uh, uh, looking at how you get better is 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 you you have to, like you said there, you have to actually measure the antlers um, and see it live, and and then that you know that experience right there just told you, man, I'm I'm historically under because of all the other experiences that I had. Um, but, but do you, would you say that from that, that maybe you'll be a little bit more aggressive? Well, I, I can tell you that if I go to Montana again, I will have the video of the bull, the photos of the bull, the photos of the bull on the ground, the, 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 the actual act that I actually scored the bull and that will be in my brain forever, and I will be able to take, and how does that compare to Jason's bull? Okay, Jason's was 371. How does this bull, what does the body look like, you know? And so I think each experience that we go through, I, you know, I take them as a learning experience. Yeah, I get kicked in the gut a little bit, and the air gets knocked out of me because I'm like, man, I, I thought he was a three fit, you know, just over 350 solid bull, but he's a 370. Jay, you got to get better. And so, um, you know, I try and take each experience and learn from it and try and get better each time. Um, Craig, let's talk a little bit about this, the estimating the actual measurements method and how I like to use anatomical references to estimate several of the point lengths. Um, if you start with the eye guards, um, uh, Clay Goldman with Mogion Taxidermy helped me quite a bit. Clay is my taxidermist located in Payson, Arizona. Uh, Mogion Taxidermy, he does a phenomenal job. Um, but I had him help me with some of these anatomical references to make sure that I was as accurate as possible. And uh, one of the when I'm looking at eye guards, from the tip of the nose to the burr, Clay measured a bunch of different bulls, and I've done the same thing. And typically, it's between 15 and 16 inches. 
So when you're trying to measure the first and second points, and sometimes the thirds you can place in there, you can use from a mature bull elk from the tip of his nose to where the burr, which is the, the where the antler starts on the front part, so running if you were to put a tape on the top of his nose and run it up to the burr, that's generally between 15 and 16 inches. Another interesting anatomical uh, feature is from the tip of the nose to the beginning of the eye socket is typically 12 to 13 inches. So when a bull is, face, is turned broadside, a lot of times you will look and see how those eye guards they don't um, parallel the nose, um, but you can a lot of times take that distance from the tip of the nose to the burr being 15 to 16 and then extrapolate it up and measure those eye guards. One thing I will say about eye guards and points in general is short points, points that look short and points that look straight are short points that have a lot of belly and a lot of curve, you get extra inches. Anytime on the first, second, thirds, you've got a lot of belly and a lot of, of curvature, that ruler's going to stretch. So, you know, a lot of guys will look at a bull and see, you know, they point, the eye guards point straight out. Watch those hard because straight points are usually short. Now, do you think that you use the term stretch because on bulls with bellied or curved tines, specifically on the front end, because the perception of the distance that that horn goes from a straight point um, basically ends at the curve where it starts curving, and a lot of guys... Uh, well, that, that's a great point, Craig. You, you need to make sure that, that the, the straight part of the eye guard is a good, you know, 14 inches and then bellies up. I have seen bulls that curve right away and it's a little bit deceiving. So you need a lot of straight and then you need a lot of curve. And if those, those eye guards, the one twos, if they go out, say, you know, a good 14, 15 inches and then start curving. When they start curving, you know, from the, from the straight point to where it curves to the tip, I mean, you could pick up another four, five, six inches on the curve. A general rule of thumb is, you know, looking anatomically at, uh, from, from the nose to the burr, 15, 16 inches, you want to make sure that you're, now, this is talking, you know, Arizona, you know, 350-plus type bulls. You want to make sure that, you're, that you have, you know, over 16-inch eye guards. But in general, you want to look for extra eye guards. Do the eye guards fork? You know, if you get a 6- or 7-inch fork off an eye guard, that's 6 or 7 inches extra on your, on your, your, uh, your points measurements right there. Mm-hmm. Um, another... Uh, uh, anatomical uh, reference that you can use is um, the distance from the top of the hump of an elk's back. So again, if he's standing broadside um, and straight up the length of his leg, right behind uh, the leg in the crease, you know, right where you would be 
uh, trying to trying to shoot your, with your broadhead um, from the bottom of, of of that crease, so the underbelly to the top of the hump. Uh, and and again, I want to thank Clay for for um, also giving me these measurements and re re solidifying what I think, and it's about thirty inches. So. An interesting thing with that measurement of 30 inches is if you take that uh, measurement, when you're trying to measure the fourth points, I like, I like when fourth points are, you know, 20 inches long, you can try and when that bull's standing broadside, you can take that, when you're looking at that fourth point, take the distance from the tip to where it hits the base of the, the main beam and put that in the hump. And if it is, you know, eight or ten inches shy of the length of that hump, you're, you know, you're looking at a, a 20 inch fourth point. And just, just to clarify with, with everybody listening and with you, the only way you're able to do, uh, these, uh, basically measurements from, from the body comparing to the horn is to have images or video, correct, Jake? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is this is something that, that, you know, I've come up with over time and I've used other resources that I've come up with and, and Dara and I have gone over and Clay and I have gone over and, you know, trial and error and actually measuring, you know, anatomical features and, and, and keeping track of this. Um, but yes, if, if you... If you digiscoped your uh, bull and you are able to go back and analytically break down on your computer screen or on your phone or whatever, um, you can use some of these anatomical features to help estimate. Yes. Now it's it's just a it's just a it's it's something another tool to use. Exactly. It's not a it's not a pro, you know like I said with the Montana bull a giant body. Throws your you know, scale the, off. The distance may be 33 inches, or a small body, it may be 28. So it's just something to use to to uh, calculate and try and get better. Um, another thing you can use with the 30 inches is um, in your when you're measuring your main beams. Um, a 50-inch a, a main beam typically is going to have from the burr to the fourth point. I don't know why. John McClendon um, actually is the first one that, that turned me on to um, this uh, little fact. And from the tip of the where, the where the burr is, measuring up the main beam to where the fourth point starts, on a 350-plus bull, typically that measurement is always 30 inches. And you can take elk antlers and do it, and I've done a bunch of them, and it's dang sure from the burr to the fourth is almost always 30 inches. I don't know why, it just is. So you take that same measurement from the hump to the bottom of the belly, and you can you can extrapolate that and go, okay, am I dealing with a 50-inch main beam? You know, is 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 this a 60-inch main beam because I can take from the from the top of the back to the belly? And, and there's two of those, okay, that's a 60-inch main beam. Again, these are rough mm -hmm. anatomical, uh, uh, using anatomical measurements to try and help you estimate score better. 
That's awesome stuff. Um, okay, and and uh, I'm looking at my notes here on an article that I wrote, and it says determining the four mash measurements per side is usually difficult. So I use a little rule of thumb. If the rack doesn't look heavy and has a thin appearance, I attribute 27 inches of mass per side or 54 inches total. If a bull looks real heavy and solid, then I estimate about 30 inches of mass per side. Um, trying to determine mass, I will tell you, is difficult, and that comes from measuring a lot of bulls and uh, looking in Boone and Crockett records and actually looking at total mass measurements. I will tell you um, a side note, like unit 10 in my mind has uh, less mass than unit 9. I don't know why. You know, the, mm -hmm. both units are fairly close. Um, one of the things when I first started hunting in unit 10, I had to realize that not a lot of bulls made that 30 inch mark mm -hmm. for, for mass per side. Um, and that is somewhat of an air judge. You know, you look and you go, that bull's heavy. Mm -hmm. Okay. He may be more towards the 30 inch mark. If that bull looks light, you know, I've seen, I've seen 340, 350 bulls with, you know, 26 inches of mass. 52 inches per side, or, or 52 inches total, mm -hmm. um, and you know that can throw off your field judging. So that is where knowing what your animals in your unit, what the average mass is, um, you know that's where that can really play in and be important. One of the biggest things that I've noticed just with one mass measurement, and I've just grown to learn it over the last or or, or I guess learn uh, over the last three or four years and really paid attention to it. Bulls at G1, their G1s and G2s are very, come off almost at the exact same point, can blow up on their bottom circumference measurement. And it's very, okay. it's very hard to, to notice that um, or to be aware of it. But if you see a bull that is G1 and G2 come out from almost the same point, more than likely, his first mass measurement is going to be a lot bigger than average. Okay, and so Craig, what you're specifically talking about there is is a great point. And you know, part of becoming a great field judger is you really need to understand the scoring of an elk. So, so real fast, I'm going to go through that, and then I'm going to come back to your point of webbing and webbing is huge with mass and you bring up a good point anytime you have your first and second points that are close together you a lot of times will have like an extra you know two and a half three inches of webbing but um, I guess I got ahead of myself when you're estimating actual measurements you're estimating basically your point length which usually is your G1 2 3 4 and 5 on a typical 6 by 6 bowl then you are you're estimating the main beam length, which is from the burr to the tip of the elk antler, then the mass, and then the width, so your spread. And that gives you your measurements for uh, 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 an elk antler. More importantly, you need to actually look at the Boone and Crockett score sheet and see where they're taking the actual measurements. 
one thing that people need to understand, and I see, I see this mistake made a lot, is people take your first circumference measurement at the burr of, of, the, of the elk antler. And that is not correct. What Craig is talking about is you always take the mass measurements between the 1-2, the 2-3, the 3-4, and the 4-5. And, and you only get 4 no matter if he's a 6, 7, or 8, 9, or 10 point. Right, and I've seen people, you know, shoot a 7x7 seven seven and give themselves five mass measurements aside. You only get four per side, even if he's a 7, 8, or 9 point. So going back to your point of webbing, what Craig is talking about is it's very deceiving, but if you ever get to look at an elk real close, and if his G1 and G2, which is where you take your first circumference measurement, if those points are close together... A lot of times what you're going to have is what's called webbing. And that webbing is where the first point hits the main beam and it, and it rolls around into the second point. If they're close enough together, that is going to be almost, um, it's hard to describe. It's going to be, it, it's, it's, it's actually going to make the main beam swell. So you're not actually measuring like you would around the main beam. Because they're so close together, you get a swelling or a webbing there. And a lot of times, you know, you can go from having a, you know, a 9-inch uh, a, a G1 measurement to having a, you know, 11-inch G1 measurement just because of the webbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, and you can't, and, that, and the reason why I pointed that out is because typically on the other mass measurements, and I've done this, you can see the mass there a lot of times because it's exposed on the curve. You know, you can see it. Um, and I've been surprised on bulls. I got a bull that I found sheds of that's that's 393, you know, with a 40-inch inside spread credit. And and that bull has huge mass in the back. He reminds me of the bull that you guys, that somebody found the pickup head of in Unit 10, the, the club bull that has the yep. club. Uh, he, yep. He's a lot like that bull. Um but the one thing he doesn't have, and I, and I believe he's only got 28 inches of mass, and if you look at him, you, he's actually more massive than the bull you the, than the club bull. If you look at him, you you ought to, you think the bull's going to have over 30 inches of mass, but his his G1 and G2s are separated, and he loses a couple inches there. Um, whereas I've seen bulls, or my Utah bull. Um, his 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 eye guards were super close together, and I want to say his first mass circumference was was ten and a half, and you know I didn't account for that, and that's you know it, we're talking about finer details here that I mean you're you're only going to see if you actually have time and and you're digiscoping and you're really taking you know you're not going to really look at that if you're air judging something, but if you're really trying to nail down a score, that's something to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And mass can throw a lot of things off, but if you use, you know, the 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 20, you know, the 26, uh the you know, 25 26, the 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 27 28 and the 30 inch mass measurement, um usually you can get pretty darn close and we'll get into that when I start talking about my my little formula the magic number the estimating the shortest points. Um 
But yeah, I mean, any one of these characteristics, if you have abnormal mass, abnormal point length, abnormal main beam, or abnormal spread, it, it can jump your score up. Mm -hmm. um, you you want to try and get an eye for what is, you know, average 350 bull, what is an average 320 bull, what is an average 400 bull. And I think that's where my um, chart of, you know, average measurements um, is something that you could even keep on your phone um, when you're out in the field. And, you know, if you're looking at a bull and he's got, you know, 16 inch points, every point is 16 inches, you know, you're probably looking at, just in general, you're probably looking at a 360 type of bull. Yeah. Um, if he's got 13 inch points, you know, you're probably looking at a 300 bull. If, if every point on him's, you know, 20 inches, right there, um, just in point length alone, you, you know, you're looking at 200 inches, 100 per side, because you've got, you know, your G1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is 20 inches. That's 100 inches right there on that side. You're probably looking at a 400-inch bull. Yeah. Um, just to go over it again, point length in my mind is number one. you got to have long points. Um, when you're let, – let's talk about third points now. Third points in my mind uh, are ones you, you – when you're looking at a bull, I look at the the backs, I look at the main beam, but thirds are something that can always make or break your score because a lot of times you'll have a bull that has great first seconds, fourth fifths, good beams, and the thirds are short. you got to watch those thirds. If you've got a bull with long thirds, he's probably going to be a bull that surprises you score-wise. Um, what you want to look for in those thirds is a lot of belly and a lot of curve. If they go, if you're looking at them head on, you want them to go out and then curve back in. And, you know, I've seen some bulls with, you know, 25 inch uh, third points. I killed, I killed one, the biggest bull I've ever killed with my bow scored 406 and he had 25 inch third points. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, thirds can a lot of times make or break a bull. If you're just looking at an average, you know, point length bull, if you've got, you know, big thirds, that's going to jump your score up. But you've got to watch the thirds because a lot of times you'll have everything but short thirds. I, I, I've noticed, and I, I this is just something I was just thinking about just as we were talking about this with bulls with big thirds is a lot of times when I see bull, and I, I think of big uh, big thirds to me are are really big thirds are over twenty. Um, uh, above average thirds are are definitely are, are over fifteen to me. But when I think of bulls that have big thirds, like we're talking twenty plus, you know those bulls with just those giant thirds. Um, it seems like to me, and this is just throwing this out there, that they usually have pretty solid G1s and G2s for whatever yeah, I mean, reason. Do you notice that? I, I agree. I mean, it, it, if a bull has long thirds, typically their one, two, threes are all pretty good and, and, and pretty long. It's, it's, I've seen bulls with, you know, pretty good fronts, but short thirds, but in general, you make a good point. Um, if, if a bull's got big long thirds, he typically is good all the way one, two, three. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, personally, I like 
big bulls with big backs. I like big fourths and fifth points. That's 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 what I like. Um, but you know, some of the best scoring bulls are some that are just you know their one two threes are really big and long and and um, you know a, a lot of people look at the backs, but they you know I've got a bull that's got nine inch fifths. Uh, but, you know, like he's got 25-inch uh, thirds and, you know, 22, 23-inch one-twos, um, you know, and he scores 406. He was droughted. You know, it was a, it was a drought bull that, you know, had, mm-hmm. had uh, you know, I want to say 15-inch fourths and 9-inch fifths, um, but he's all fronts. He actually has an extra eye guard, too. Um, I've, I've done some stupid things with bulls with big fronts. Um, I have a tendency to to severely underjudge them, um, and 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 I'm talking about when I get a bull that I consider is kind of lopsided. You know, where you're talking with you know five to you know ten inch fists, um, and maybe uh, you know sixteen inch sword tying, but then his his fronts are you know twenty twenty and maybe twenty or twenty five on his thirds. And I have a tendency to, and I've learned this, and I've really, um, especially when I was younger, I gravitated because I like back ends too, I mean, um, and width. And I, I gravitate toward that, and I tend to, um, if, if I'm completely real here, I tend to overjudge that and look at that. And I think a lot of people look at what they want to look at or what they like, and then they don't look at the, um, for me, when I'm looking at, I've learned that I have to look, if I see a bull with big fronts, I really have to look him over um, because a lot of times I will look over a bull like that and he may just have, I mean, he could be 25, 25, and 25 and then have 16 and and 10 and that's a big bull, you know. Um, Yeah, and, and I think, Craig, you make a great point. I think, you know, when I'm making my first impressions and looking at a bull, I'm looking for weaknesses. But I'm also, on the other hand, I'm looking for something that's abnormal and it's like, wow, he's got huge fronts, but he peters out in the back. Well, you you have to kind of add all that in together because it's just as if, you know, he has big backs and short fronts. I mean, you take the weaknesses, but you also look at, oh, he's got some abnormal greatness up front. Um, that can weigh in just as much as having big giant backs. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. And then in Arizona, when you throw in, you and I, we've been talking about a couple bulls, and and we've shared pictures of the same bull that's got giant fronts and weak backs, and and we're not going to mention any places where he's at, but you know, those are the type of bulls in my mind. On a good year like this year, they can really round out and and gain some significant inches. Um, if, if their back catches up, you know, or even av- just becomes average, just becomes a 350 type bull back in. If he's got abnormally large fronts, uh, you know, those are, the t- you gotta, yeah, you gotta watch those wolves with big fronts. Cause on a year like this, where you've got optimum feed conditions, um, the backs are usually going to finish up. Sometimes genetically, they just don't have big backs, but you know that one bull you're talking about in particular. You, you got to watch a bull like that because on a good year like this, he could finish out his back end and be a, a true giant. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I think 
everybody has their own different bulls that they like, but to be a good high scoring bull, you got to have long points. We've talked about that a million times and, but I think it's important to note, you have to have long points and a long main beam. When I'm using an anatomical reference to judge the main beam, okay, if from the top of the hump that we've talked about on a bull's shoulder to the to his hoof, and Clay has really helped me out to, to verify my measurements, but, you know, 58 to 60 inches, okay? Okay. So when a bull's head is, is down feeding, I'm going to read this off my notes here. Um, I determine whether the main beam is higher or lower than the hump on his back above his shoulder. The distance from his... Top of his shoulder, hump down, his front leg to the hoof is generally 58 to 60 inches. Depending on the maturity of the bull, if the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. Now, what you have to remember is that distance of, you know, 12 to, or 15 to 16 inches from the tip of the nose to the burr. So picture the bull's headed, you know, head is down. Um, obviously, you, you have to add that measurement in because it, he's not setting his actual burr of his antler on the ground. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. If the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. If it's shorter or longer than the hump of the back, I add or subtract accordingly. Now, that is just a general rule of thumb. I also use my chart... When I've kind of air judged and categorized the bull, I can use my chart here uh, for main beams, uh, which you guys can find on on my website. But you know, for a 340 to 350 bull, he's going to have a 38 inch inside spread, a 50 inch main beam, 29 inches of mass, 15 inch point lengths. Total point length per side 75 inches puts him at a uh, 345, 346 type of bull. Okay, main beams. When we're talking about main beams, uh, that is the second most important characteristics of a bull scoring high. So you've got long points, but main beams is number two. One of the things you need to look at is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If your main beam looks really straight. He's going to be a short main beam. If his beams from his fourth point going back to his fifth, if they dip way down or if they dip down and then curve back up, if you see a lot of curvature on the main beam, it's going to be longer than you think. I think you can measure a lot of antlers and get kind of a feel for a 50 or 52 inch main beam. And then when you're field judging in the field, you'll be able to say, oh, that's a 55 or, oh, that's a 48. Um, but a straight-looking main beam, just like a straight-looking point, is short. So anytime you see a short or a straight-looking fourth, short-looking third, or straight-looking third, it's going to be a short point. Same with the main beam. Gotcha. I'm... I, I'm Main beams to me, and this is just me personally, I don't know about you, but to me they're the hardest measurement to get um, as far as um, just 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 because 
And this is me personally, based on my experiences, is I, I use the, you know, the mass you're talking about as far as, you know, 25, 27, 28, 30, uh, Obviously, you can miss a little bit there um, and not not hurt too much of your score. the The time length to me, because I can, you have, you know, basically you have if it's a six point, you have five on each side to kind of compare. You know what I mean? Uh, the main beam to me, for me personally, is what either you know if the bull's got a big body, if he's got a small body, if he's got curve, if he bellows out. To me, is where I screw up the most. Um, that's just me personally. Um, is is and, and so I really scrutinize uh, my main beam lengths, and I really want to look at, um, like you're saying. Um, I was just looking at some of your images. I was looking at the 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 bull, um, the the club bull that's um, was posted June 29, two thousand twelve. Phil judging elk and scoring elk antlers three. The G5 bull. Yeah, the G5 bull, sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, you got a picture of him with his head down, and I, and I used that real quick, and I came up with a 56-inch uh, a main beam. Um, you guys have it here in your estimated actual measurement. It's 58, which is that's pretty accurate, 56 to 58. Um, we're not talking to me, you know. I, I think when I when I listen to this back and when I look at any field judging stuff, it's kind of giving a barometer for guys or scale. Okay, what's accurate? How far off is is still good, you know, as far as field judging? And I think within the main beams, if you can get within two inches, that's pretty dang accurate. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think another important thing is, you know, on these big bulls, if you're basically just using the benchmark of fifty. Anything over that is a bonus. Yes, you may end up scoring the bull low, but don't say it's 58 if 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 you know you really think it's 53. Or, or how hard is I'm it, saying? Jay, to really? I've I've found one shed antler that's 60. I've seen and held a few bulls that are 60 inch main beams, but those are rare. Um, okay, so let's talk about that. You hear the guy say, well, when he bugled, he tilted his head back and the tip of his main beam hit his butt. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, no way. Yeah. Can't happen. Where it hits is like in their paunch above the front of their, of their back leg, uh, the, the no-go zone where you do not want to hit an elk, a gut shot. That's where it's going to scratch. But Anybody that tells you that the main beam goes past their butt or scratches their tail, no, doesn't happen. I think the longest bull I've seen on video that looked the longest was Dan Agnew's bull from, I don't know, San Carlos or White Mountain. Yeah, that, and those were those were long. That was a beautiful. Yeah, six those point. were like you know. 60. I want to say he had like sixty four. Yeah, I got a bull that's sixty three. I got shed horns uh, uh, one side out that's sixty three, and it is. It is abnormally long. I mean, it's just ridiculous, and you just yeah. see those. Yeah. And I will tell you that I never—I don't care if it's a 430-inch bull—the the number 60 on estimating beams never comes out of my mouth ever. Yeah. The the I mean, I'm scared I, to go 50. I go 55. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's a good rule of thumb that you know if it's a super long-looking main beam, use 55, and if it's a couple inches longer, great. But 
in all the elk antlers that I've scored, very rarely do they ever get 60 inches. And quite honestly, they very rarely get over 56. Uh I mean, it's so, you know, using on your high end of 55, you know, that's, that's a pretty good, uh, that, that will keep you in the ballpark. And if they end up being a little bit longer, so be it. Um, so now that we've, you know, taken the myth of, you know, them scratching their, you know, their butt. Now, keep in mind, I am not saying that an elk cannot do it. They can tilt their head way, way back, not in the bugling position, but way back and, you know, tilt their body around and scratch their butt. They can do absolutely do it. But in the bugling pose, yeah, when you hear, broadside. oh, he was he was bugling and he was broadside and he's, you know, scratching his butt, it ain't, it ain't happening. Yeah, no. You hear that a lot. That's that's the that's the giant fish story. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think for me one one hard part is is spread. I think you know you take Michael Parks' four hundred and thirty five inch bull that you know he shot in two thousand nine with yeah. me. What would you just guess he's, his width is? You know. It, when you when you when I look at him, I I would have probably guessed him at forty, but I I want to say he's probably what thirty seven. He's thirty four and a half oh. inches wide, so it's super super deceiving. And you know, I, the biggest bull I've ever killed is forty five inches wide, and to me that's super wide. Now I know there's bulls that are fifty inches wide, but the thing that I can tell people out there is, you know, generally 350 bulls in Arizona are going to be in that, you know, I'm going to say in that mm, 36 to 40 range. Yeah. Yep. To me, if a bull, I never, well, I shouldn't say I never. And we're, and we're talking inside the crest. In, inside spread. That's which where is you the, get the score. From, not the outside or tip right. To tip. Inside, inside spread is uh, generally or between the fourth point. So uh, say between the fourth or between the fourth and fifth. That's generally where you get your spread credit. And the inside spread credit is the only thing that matters in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. Um, anatomically. If a bull is looking at you, I'm going to read off my notes. Um, the last measurement to estimate is inside spread, which is the widest point from the inside of one beam to the inside of the other. I often use two anatomical references. First, the distance from ear tip to ear tip, which is generally 21 to 22 inches. And second, the actual ear length itself, which is seven and a half inches. The only way to really estimate the inside spread of a bull elk is for him to be facing you. When he's facing you, you look at the width of his ears. If you can add one ear's ear length to each side, then you have uh, that should put you at a 37-inch spread. So you've got 22 inches of his ear width, seven and a half on, on each side uh, is 15. That equals 37 inches. So if if you can add an ear length and a half, then the inside spread measures 44 and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, keep in mind that very few bulls are wider than 45 inches. Yeah. With that being said, you, we always see the anomaly bull that's, you know, 51 inches wide or some crazy thing. And, and those are individual cases that you have to take on a, that's a you know, 
case by case basis. That's that's a freak. That bull that I filmed that my cousin missed, that Godzilla bull, um, that that would have been four eighty that ended up being four sixty four and was killed the next year. That bull, I believe he was forty five or forty seven inches wide. And that's the widest bull. Um I've I've seen a couple bulls that are close, but I can count on one hand. Um and that's since I was you know, living in Arizona, and I will say really, really hunting hard since I was about uh, 18 or 19, I'm 35 now, I can count on one hand how many bulls that I thought were 45 inches. Um, when I was younger, I would have probably called them 50, um, just just out of not knowing. But that bull was, I mean, he was 464 inches, and that's how wide he was. Um, I rarely... I don't. I rarely give a bull over 40 inches inside score credit, um, and and generally it's it's 35 to 37, um, and and that's just what I see a lot of. So, yeah, and and I'm I'm with you 100. percent I'm the same way. Um, you know, very rarely do I give a bull over 40, and you know. Keep in mind, you got a bull like Michael Parks that, like I said, 435, and he's got a 34 and a half inch spread, but he's got point length out the wazoo. You know, so um, hey, I battle this subject every time my wife gets an elk tag because all she cares about is spread, as long as it's got some long beams, and so it's it's a it's a battle when somebody sees, you know, it's like the 30 inch mule deer. You know, remember when when. When everybody and it is, it's totally up to yourself. But remember when that was the big—that's what big buck contests were based on—was width, you know. Sure, it was width, you know. And, and, and I'm gonna say that you know everybody has different things that they like. Some people like six by six. Some people like seven by seven. Yeah. Some people like, you know, abnormal points. You know, so every, everybody's got their own. But when we're specifically talking about score. trying to be accurate in field judging and score, um, you know, you have to realize that spread is 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 nothing in 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 the arena of percentage. Uh, time length is number one, main beam is two, mass is three, and spread is very last. Um, when I'm doing the, the estimated actual measurements. I actually try and measure up, and that's going usually off of photos and video. I try and score every point. So I'm going to start on the left side. I'm going to do the G1, G2, G3, G4, G5. I'm going to uh, estimate the uh, main beam length. I'm going to estimate the mass, and then I'm going to add up my score. So I'm basically taking every single measurement and adding it up trying to get the most accurate gross score that I can. Mm -hmm. There's another method that I use and that's uh, what I call plugging in the magic number or estimating the shortest points. And that is something that I do a lot of times in just trying to get a quick measurement. And I'm going to read off my notes here. Uh, there is a great shortcut for field judging bulls where I use anatomical reference, but instead of trying to estimate each measurement individually, I use a magic number for the main beam length, the mass, and the inside spread. And then I compare the length of the points from one side to the other, estimating the shortest points. This method is not quite as 
exact as estimating each measurement, but it gets you very close, much easier, and much faster. First, I start with the magic number of 200. For a mature, typical bull elk, that scores around 350 inches. His main beam is usually around 50 inches per side. So that's 100 inches. His mass usually equals 30 inches per side, which is 60 inches. And inside spread is usually around 40 inches. So that's 100 plus 60 plus 40. That equals 200. Now I will stop here and, and, and we've already talked that uh, 30 inches of mass is quite a bit, and we've already talked that 40 inches is, you know, a lot of bulls are under that. I'm going to come back to that. Next, I estimate the length of the shortest point for each antler and double it, and then add them up. Be careful with this these estimates because whenever you double a measurement, it can make your score go up or down dramatically. Meaning, if you say it's 13 inches and you double it to give it 26 and it's actually four, or it's actually 15, it can be 30. You're off right there on just that point alone by 4 inches. Um, okay, do your best not to overestimate your shortest points. Now, add the total length of points to the magic number 200 to get the gross score. Finally, go back to the main beam, mass, and inside spread. Is the main beam really 50 or is it 53? Add or subtract accordingly. Is the mass heavy or light? How does it compare to 30 inches per side? Add or subtract accordingly. Is the bull really 40 inches or is he 36? Add or subtract accordingly. If you think those measurements deviate from the magic number, just add or, add or subtract. So, when I'm looking at a 350, 360 type of, when I've already air judged and categorized this bull, the first thing I do is add up his, his five points and double it. Add it to my, uh, add it to my magic number and I've got my score. So, for instance, if I, if I look at a bull and he's got 16, 18, 20, 20, and 17, that's 91 doubled is 182. I add the 182 to my 200 and I'm looking at a 382 bull. Now, if I look at that bull and say, but his main beams um, are a little longer than 50, so I'm going to add two more inches per side. So I go two and two, that's four. The bull automatically goes to 386. Uh, I get to the mass and go, well, he's not actually 30, so I'm going to subtract He's only 29 per side. I'll subtract 2 off my score. If the spread is not 40, he says only 36, I subtract 4, and that gets me to my score of 384 gross. Does that make sense to you, Craig? It absolutely makes sense. Um, and I use the magic number scoring system a lot when I'm just quickly trying to say, okay, what's his, what? look at the G1s. Which one's shortest? Okay, 16. Okay, look at his G2s. Which one's shortest? Okay, 17. And then when you add up the shortest points, you're, you are going to get uh, pretty darn close to what the bull's score is. And that's the quickest way to, to, to accurately add up a bull. Yep, I agree. Um, I, I think it's important to talk about a couple of these charts here where... Um, 
me look here. I think it's important to talk about a couple of these field judging tips uh, in this episode. Um, number one, point length is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high. Next is main beam. It is rare to have a high scoring bull without long points and beams. We've gone over that. Number two, on a typical 7x7, seven seven, the point measurement is going to go up dramatically. For instance, a typical 7x7 seven seven will usually have six points that measure from 4 to 20 inches, which can add 8 to 40 inches to the bull's total gross score. We've talked about that. Any extra points that you add into your point total make your score go up dramatically, especially if you have a 4 and a 4 on each side, that's 8 extra inches. If, if, if each extra is 10 inches, that's 20 extra points. So you could be looking at a bull that looks like a 350 mainframe bull and he's 370 because he's got two extra 10-inch points. Yeah. Um, another thing to note, like Craig says, on a 7x7 seven seven, you don't receive any extra mass measurements. The only mass measurements are between the first, second, second, third, third, fourth, and fourth, fifth. And that uh, measurement is the smallest circumference measurement in that area. So between the first and second, the smallest area, second, third, the smallest area. A lot of, I see guys score and they go to the biggest, you go to the smallest. Um, Look, look for any weaknesses or broken missing points as they can affect the score dramatically. We didn't talk about broken points, but one of the things when I'm, when I'm air judging and my first impressions is I'm looking for weaknesses. I'm looking for broken points. Because if you have a broken third that's broken at the, bait, at the, at the main beam and the other side is 18 inches, well, you're going to lose 18 whole inches on that other side. So broken points... Abnormal extra points are huge, but broken points are just as huge on the downside. Hey, we get a lot of them in Arizona. Ton, ton of broken points, especially on the early rifle on the last yeah, week mean, of the archery. Huh. It seems it seems on the weaker antler growth years, uh, you know the 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 antler the, because it's bone can be brittle and they break hard. But I've also seen on great antler growth years where you have high intense ruts. Uh, rutting, you you get uh, a lot of fighting, and those uh, antlers inevitably are just going to break. So you've got to watch for broken points, and that's another good thing when when you call a bull in and you get your you're going through your first impressions. If you can train yourself to look for weaknesses, is he missing a fifth? Is he missing a third? Is he broken somewhere? Um, that will either help you that that will help you determine whether he's a shooter or not a shooter. Uh, most of the time, broken point bulls are not bulls that you want to shoot. Um, I, I, I will say the biggest bull I ever killed has a 12-inch broken point. And when I first called him in, I actually passed on him because I immediately saw the broken point. So it put me into the mindset of he's broken, he's broken, he's broken. I don't want to shoot him. And it, it made me not look at all the rest of his points. My wife happened to be videoing the bull as he walked by. And I said, let me look at that video again. And then I realized my first impression shut me off because it was a broken point because I didn't want to shoot a broken bull. But then I realized every other point's a giant. You know, he's 7x7 seven seven with the broken G6. He's still a, sh a shooter. So, you know, you, you have to you have Did your to wife tell you you were nuts? She had to make the call on that bull for you. She she uh, she 
tells me I'm nuts <laughs> a lot. So, <laughs> um, okay, use anatomical references to judge um, measurements. Uh, count the number of points on each side because if something looks odd, it usually is. Uh, the main beam length from burr to fourth point is usually around 30 inches, so compare that length to, of the main beam from the fourth point to the tip of the main beam. If it looks about half as long, then in the, t the length is closer to 45 inches. If it looks equally as long, then it might be pushing 60 inches. Uh, number seven, main beams are rarely 60 inches or more. Inside spread are rarely over 45, and mass is rarely over 32. Number eight, try to err on the short side when estimating measurements. Um, it's real easy to, to, to think they're longer than they are, and when you start, you know, given an 18-inch G1 and it's really 15, and you extrapolate that number you know, two, three, four, five up up the side, and you're off on the first one. You can get way off quick. Um, look for good spacing between the points. I think this one is huge. When you're looking at the main beam, a bull, if if it, if his points are all real compact and tight together on the actual spacing of the main beam, that's a good indication that your beam is going to be short. I think it's important to look for those bulls that have a good distance between their second and their third, their third and their fourth, and their fourth and their fifth. Because, and, and, and especially those bulls that have a good distance between third and fourth and fourth and fifth. If you can get good distance on those two measurements, you're typically going to have a lot longer main beam. If points look close together, the beams are probably not as long as you think. That's the end of number 9 and number 10. If a beam or point looks straight, then it will be shorter than you think. Look for lots of belly or curve in the points in the main beam. Curve means greater length. I think we talked about that, but you know, going back, anytime a bull's looking at you and it goes, you know, say as thirds, seconds or thirds, they go out and then they go up. Um, you're you're going to be looking at a long point. So I think I think curves too, as well as on the main beams. When those bulls, I think bulls have longer main beams than what you think on bulls that flare out excessively in the back, where they it's a it's a curve, but it's not a curve against your 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 kind of the parallel lines of how you see the beam structure. But if you look at a bull from the front and he's got a lot of flare out in the back, um, you guys have a picture of a bull. And I'm just scrolling through the website here. I think Dar videoed this bull in water. Um, well, or, yeah. or, or uh, Tim Allen's bull. Um, that bull, well, he kind of curves in, um, and you don't you don't necessarily see. Um, especially on his left side, it's a straight beam, but the beam kind of curled bellies in, you know, versus just staying straight. Um, so I think that's another thing to look at with beams is, is, is what is their, is their horn structure when you look at them head on? Do they just go straight back or do they, do they curl in or do they curl out versus just from the side angle looking at the curvature is how it curves there as well. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. If, if if any abnormality, if it curves out, if it curves in, if it curves down, if it curves up, you're going to add 
distance. You're going to add length. If it just is a real pretty looking beam that just goes back, it's probably not as long as you think. But in points or in the main beam, anything that's abnormal, that's bending out, bending down, bending up, a lot of times you're going to get longer. Now I will say, when after the fifth points, when a beam tips up, I found those tipped up beams to be shorter than bowls that tip way down. So sometimes you've got to watch that bend up because it can be deceiving to me. Bending up in the back to me sometimes is shorter than bending either normal or, or down. Down is best and out, down and out is, is, is best. You get a lot of flare and that's where you get inches. So, um, Craig, do you think there's anything there that we did not cover? Um, I mean, we could go on and on. I think extra points, non-typical bulls, um, you know, extra thirds, extra fourths, you know, split brow tines. Uh, those are all things to be looking for to add inches to your score. I, th I, th I guess, you know, I think we pretty much covered it. I think the thing is that I always catch myself and, and, and for you guys that are listening is is what what system are you going to use and when are you going to be able to use it um, just just speaking out loud for myself is if you want to be as accurately Phil judge as accurate as possible the best way is to be able to video and digiscope a bull see him in the field and out of the field um, trail cameras are pictures are awesome but I think there's something to seeing the bull alive as well. It kind of completes a 360, uh, if you will, uh, perspective of that entire animal. Um, a lot of situations that you're going to be in as far as hunting type situations, especially if you're archery hunting and, and you haven't located the bull that you want to hunt, um, you know, hand-to-hand -hand type, for lack of better terms, combat, so to speak, you're going to have to air judge a bull, um, uh, and make a split second decision um, and that's going to take some experience and and you know there's always those bulls that just absolutely floor you but you know count the number of points real quick look at width look at main beam length really really look at like you're saying Jay it's stressing really look at time length don't just get caught up on the width and uh, you really have to look at time length um, right away so yeah and and with time link being the number one most important thing in, in, in a high-scoring bull, it, it's, it's everything. And so you're missing points. That's a huge deduct. You've you got to really watch that. Um, I will say the biggest bulls I've ever seen, most of the time they're pretty impressive and, and wowing. Uh, you know, uh, handfuls of bulls that I've you know, shot over 400 or seen or guided over 400, most of the time, from the initial impression and look, they look they look giant. They look huge. There's everything about them is big. Um, so you know, just the air judge and, and, and first impressions is huge, but it's kind of like a big brown trout. I mean, the the big ones look big. You know, the elk elk the big elk look big. If he if if you look at him, and go well. He's probably not a giant. Yeah. You probably need to keep looking, depending on what tag you have or what have you. But speaking, you know, Arizona, where the biggest of big. Um, if you're going after a giant, uh, they've got to look huge. Every there can't be any angle 
I've never seen a 400 bull that's got an angle that you're like, eh, I don't think he's that big. They all look big at every angle. Every 400 inch bull looks giant. Yeah, no, and that's another thing too is when you're looking, when you're judging off pictures, if you got a camera picture or if you got a digital picture, um, I, don't get focused on just the the pictures where you look big or your marketing pictures or the pictures you're going to share with all your buddies and say, I found a big one. You need to really analyze every angle, rear, front, well, side, and quarter. You know, I think that's a great point. I think you know we get caught up in you know getting the best angle and going sending that to your buddies. Send the worst angle to your buddies first. Yes. Then send the best angles. Now I will talk a little bit about photos and video. Dara and I feel uh, you know feel very strongly that video is way better than photos. Yes. Photos can be very deceiving. Video catches all angles, catches movement, brings in anatomical features brings in body size video is king because you see all the different flares and angles and um you know pictures can be super deceiving so um learn to to judge off of photos and learn to judge off of video and know that there's a difference yeah big time i would agree with that 100 percent. that you know uh you can you can pull frames off of a off of any animal and make him look bigger than what he is but if you get that 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 perspective you know that video um those, those weak spots will show up you know yeah that um craig i i want to thank you for being on and going through this and the other episode on field judging elk uh we're going to be doing some field judging sheep and coos deer and mule deer and and uh i've actually already recorded a field judging antelope uh episode with you and your partner lee murphy with exclusive pursuits outfitters and i want to let the listeners know if they have any questions at all feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com and if you want to send me photos uh i uh, all summer long, I get people emailing me trail camera photos, asking me what they think bulls score. I'm happy to give you my my estimate, um, so feel free to do that. Uh, Want to encourage you guys to uh, try and up your game and trying to learn as much as you can about field judging, whatever animal you're hunting, um, and to try and push yourself and stretch yourself to become a to me. Field judging is becoming a better hunter. I believe that field judging is a skill. Just as much as you should go work out and, you know, do sit-ups and push-ups, you should be working on your field judging. You can do a lot of field judging by, by, you know, I have files and files and files on my computer where I save photos of bulls and, you know, put official scores and you know if it's not an official score put the you know the the score that the person's saying and I I, I process all of that and and try and uh, get where I can categorize bulls better and I hope that uh, uh, some of the things we talked about in this in these episodes on field judging elk help you and um, uh, Craig do you have anything to add no man I, I just would stress stress about the digiscoping stuff that Everybody, I mean, my dad's even got a smartphone, so I don't want an excuse of why you, you know, those cameras and the smartphones have have the memory, have the capability. Get yourself, you know, the. I mean, with that outdoors, with outdoors adapter. adapter. Get yourself an adapter, 
and and you know even if it's a minute or two, take the time. It it and it, it all and another thing too, just off field judging with that is you you're able to keep track of that bull as well and go back and say yeah that is him. He does have a kicker off of his here because your memory will will deceive you, but. But when you can reflect back on video and images and, and reassure yourself that he's as big as what you thought he was, it makes it a lot easier to go back in there time and time again and hunt him. So Yeah, and you and you also made a good point earlier about, you know, keeping track of bulls and if some another hunter kills him, hey, contact the hunter, say, Hey, you know, a couple months after the season, can I come by and, you know, look at the rack in your garage? I, I, I had the fortune of, you know, spending some time with this bull and I, I you know, I, I have the measurements that I've estimated. I'm just curious what each point and go score that bull and, and put your hands on it. And, and give him a little you know, video too, you know, a lot of yeah. times that, you know, I know Jay and I get contacted a lot, you know, a lot of times guys just, they, they, I mean, give him a little video. Let's build some camaraderie out of this. It's not, you know, this Jay and I, it's not all about being selfish and what you kill. You learn that through guiding that, you know, just be, be a sportsman about it. So, yeah. Well, buddy, I appreciate um, you being on and I appreciate uh, the great content that you provide on orchunt.com and, and, um, you know, we're a um, couple months away now from go time elk season and, uh, you know, 60 days away and, um, you know, it's it's going to be an exciting year in Arizona, and I'm looking forward to it. So I uh, wish you the best and appreciate all the help uh, you give here on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. And uh, uh, until the next time I talk to you, buddy, God bless you, okay? You too, bud. It was fun.